how am I trying to be successful? What am I going to be doing in this first 90 days to actually make this promotion not just be something that I wrote on paper, but something that I'm living and I'm breathing and I'm being every day from there on out. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So I have some exciting news, Brianne. I am on the, I'd say I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm actually not on the edge of my seat because I got a cat on my lap. And if I were to be on the edge of my seat, the cat would get dumped and and then you would hear all kinds of yowling on the background of this recording and it wouldn't be good. So what are you so excited about that has me not on the edge of my seat? (laughs) I am excited that we are getting a chocolate delivery tomorrow. Not just any chocolate delivery though. This is a very special chocolate delivery. Yeah, this is a premium chocolate delivery. And not only do we get like single origin, single source chocolate bars, but we also get a whole, I think there's about 10 of them of handmade, really like one ounce size truffles. And they are so good. And this is this is not the mushroom truffle. This is the chocolate truffle. No, this truffle. is the Just... chocolate kind of truffle. Definitely. <laughs> I'll, granted, I do like the other, the mushroom truffle as well. Truffle salt, truffle oil. Awesome. But <laughs> not quite the same edibility on its own as like chocolate truffle. See, and wasn't it last season that we got into this whole discussion about good coffee and and what that means? But I wasn't so much in the coffee conversation, but I'm with you on this chocolate snobbery thing, right? Like (laughs) not just single origin, but the, the vendor that we buy from buys from individual farms and farmers, goes directly to them, doesn't buy through the co-ops, gets the beans brought to Canada winnows and sorts them by hand to pull out the crappy ones then they roast them in small batches grind them go through the whole thing we've tried a lot of single origin chocolate and i mean this is just it's the one yeah okay now i'm hungry and uh, so we need to move on (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry dinner will not include chocolate tonight uh tomorrow though when they arrive we can have a dinner of just truffles Ooh, i like this plan Okay, yes. (laughs) We should go ahead and talk about what we're actually here to talk about, which is all about the fun of promoting yourself in your own business. Not sales and marketing, right? Not promoting yourself as in, (laughs) I need to go out there and promote myself and make people hear about me and and not that nonsense. How did I not not make that connection of promoting yourself? I don't know. Anyway, continue. Yeah. I mean, clearly I'm the sales and marketing person because every time I say promote yourself, that's what goes through my head is it's not about promoting yourself to a new audience. What we're actually talking about is giving yourself a promotion, AKA a new job. I remember when I first got my first big promotion at work and I was moved into a a team leadership position at that point and what that all entailed. And there's different things we talk about, but the the thing that made me really think about it in this business context is I was talking with a friend of mine maybe a year or two ago, maybe more at this point, I don't know. Anyway, it has like a 15, 20 million dollar business and she messages me, oh my God, I need to talk to you. I was like, what's wrong? What's going on? And the message continues. I just wrote my job description for the first time in you know three years. 
okay. And I'm still not (laughs) sure what's going on. It turns out that this was the, oh my God, I need to talk to someone of excitement, not of this is horrid. Because what she realized is that the story she had in her head was that her job was to coach people, to do sales calls, to make sure the marketing was working, to generate leads, et cetera, et cetera, right? That was the job that she had in her head. And then when she was looking at how her time was going, she was like, I never get time to do my job. I'm always in doing this other stuff. I'm always like never getting to do the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. And she then went and wrote her job description. She had the rest of her team write their job descriptions. And she was like, well, I guess I better do mine. She actually wrote her job description. She was like, yeah, I realized that I hadn't given myself a promotion. And my new job description is so much better because it's all about leading the team and having the vision and playing with new ideas. And I don't have to be in the weeds on any of it because that's not my job. So yeah, that was, I think, one of the first times that I really thought about the jobs that we give ourselves and how we perceive our roles as the CEOs of our business. Yeah. And not just as the CEOs of our business, but as the entrepreneur of our business, because I, I see them as being different. And so many people have a hard time making that transition away from being the entrepreneur and being the CEO or being the COO, depending on where you are in the business and what you are doing in the business as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. In the startup world in particular, there's a big conversation about title inflation and the idea. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) that's a pet peeve of mine. But it's there's some classic examples, which is you're the the director of first contact or something like that. And it's a receptionist position. But the one that I hear a lot of is, you know, giving people director titles or even CEO titles. And it's like, I'm the CEO of this company and it's just me, or I'm the CEO of this company and there's there's three other people. And title inflation creates a problem, especially when you start to look at like, I'm the CTO or I'm the VP of this, or I'm even manager, right? I'm the manager or director of marketing and sales. And you hire people to be in those positions and you give them these job titles or you give yourself, you know, the title like CEO. And then what happens when you actually need to bring in a real marketing director that's going to manage like 20 people? Mm-hmm. You already have a marketing director. So what are you can do? Demote that person <laughs> or just say, hey, now you got 20 people. You're going to manage them all, but no raise, no like perks for you because you're just going to keep the same title. It's. It's a mess. That's a soapbox. But I think it's relevant to this idea of giving yourself a promotion because you have to actually know what your job is and what it should be, or else you are going to feel like you're never able to do your job or you're going to be doing things that aren't your job. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just having a similar conversation with one of our clients on a coaching call just before we hopped on the podcast here. And it was this concept promoting yourself and being clear on what it is that you're promoting yourself into and what you're promoting yourself out of because Mm -hmm. like you were saying with regards to the title inflation but coming from a slightly different viewpoint she had on her one-page plan that she wanted to promote herself into being a manager Mm. it's like manager of what Yeah. And even in that, when I looked at the victory conditions and the success measures that she had for herself on that particular goal, it's there's nothing in here about what you're leaving behind, about what you're taking Mm -hmm. on, right? These are Mm -hmm. things that we just don't think of 
oftentimes yeah. when we're doing these transitions or when we're giving these titles to other individuals on our team. Or as we were saying, giving them to ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and this is a particularly relevant conversation right now because you and I just redid our job descriptions and gave ourselves, well, you especially, you got a promotion, Woo-hoo. right? I got a promotion. <laughs> and, and a pay bump. Yep. There was a pay bump involved. Mm-hmm. I, I also got a pay bump mostly because we had been underpaying ourselves. So we, we brought that up to where it should be. But talk a little bit about the promotion that you're specifically experiencing because this is the promotion that so many of our listeners are facing. This is what's in front of them as like the next job that they should be moving into. For me, this is an interesting promotion because it's one I've gone through before in other places, but I'm actually almost finding it more tricky because of this being our business than I ever Mm -hmm. did when I was working in corporate land. Yeah. And so for me, what the, the transition is that I'm going into here is I'm actually moving more and more out of being the doer, being the implementer in our company and transitioning into being the manager of a team who are implementers. Yeah. And I, like I said, I've done this before in corporate land, but as an entrepreneur, as actually an entrepreneur in the business, I'm much more of an entrepreneur than I am an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur in the business, I'm, I was finding it really hard to let go of all of the things I was doing until we did the job description. And it's, it was yeah. like, I've said it to clients before, but actually experiencing it again, fresh for myself mm-hmm. was really enlightening how important that job description was. I think one of the things that's so important about that is, is a key feature of a job description in the way that we teach it and the way that we write job descriptions is what we call success measures, right? And a success measure is how do you define if you are being successful at your job? And I'm, I'm laughing because one of our team members says that I turn everything into a board game and then my brain thinks like board games. And it is right. It's, you know, how do you know if you're winning? How do you know if you're making progress in your job, if you're doing the right things? And in the absence of success measures, if you don't have success measures to evaluate whether you're doing the right things, whether you're working on the right things, we default to habit. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who have been doing all of the things in the business and we've been the implementer and we've been wearing all of the hats, I mean, in your case, it was coaching and client management and client communication and all of the the stuff as it pertained to really supporting the clients through this journey. And if we don't define success as something different than that, your brain is going to continue to say, if I'm not coaching, I'm not being successful. Yeah. Well, and two, it also, if I don't have a managerial quote unquote success measure, then I'm going to go and fill in with the old success measures that I had before. Even if I make space to be a manager, Mm -hmm. Having that direction, that goal, basically, that's what success measures are in a lot of cases. They're goals. They're things that we aim to achieve, the results that we aim to get. Having those explicitly defined and somewhere I can point to is way more useful than Mm -hmm. an arbitrary, ambiguous, be a manager. Especially because manager, as as we talked about a couple episodes ago, and, and even last episode, we were talking with Jenny and then in our debrief, really the the topic of what it means to be a manager, it's such a problematic term because it comes so loaded with so much meaning. Mm-hmm. And even when I was promoted in my last day job, I had very little 
training on how to be a manager. It was more like how to do the paperwork. <laughs> it was very much so. <laughs> if we don't define what being a manager means to us and for us, then we're going to either fall back into simply not managing. We're going to go and we're going to just do the things and be the implementer. Or we're going to go to what is the cultural default for how to be a manager, which is to tell people what to do, to check up on them, to manage the tasks rather than mentoring the person. It leads to this basically aspect of not creating space for the other people on the team to succeed. Because if you're constantly going back to doing that or to going back and doing the doing yourself, you're taking things over from the team that is trying to do their job. And I think it's challenging for a lot of people. I know it is for our clients because you still have some implementer responsibilities, right? You Mm -hmm. haven't just moved fully into managing. It's, It's what we call a player coach role where you're partly a player on the field and you're partly a coach, but you have to somehow figure out how to balance those two roles. And so your job description had to include manager stuff and include implementer stuff And it had to do it in such a way that you didn't end up just like working two or three full-time jobs. You were using the example that we always use, which is being on the field and not being on the field. Um, Thinking, taking it into Hollywood, how many directors are actors directing from within as they are acting inside a scene? It's actually very similar to that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good point. You see, especially in TV shows, right, where one of the actors will direct this specific episode. And and there's different perspectives that you have to take to be able to do both of those things. So going back to it, then how do you write a job description that it doesn't end up being three or four or more full-time jobs? Part of the answer is you have to decide what is not part of your job anymore. And the key thing to keep in mind, and I find this both when I was doing my own job description and also when I I support and help our clients go through the same process is that just because you're not doing the work doesn't mean that the work that you're no longer doing doesn't roll up into some other responsibility that you have oversight over. Here's a direct example from my job description that we just put together and the, the success measure is to ensure that the whole client experience and curriculum is up to date and meets clients' needs. Now, that's something that I can do as an implementer. That's something that I can do, that I have oversight of as a manager. But I don't have to do all of the little bits and pieces that come along with it. Yeah, I I think the key word that we use there is like ensure. Ensure that it's up to date doesn't mean make it up to date. So this is like the overall success measure, which is a manager level success measure. But within that, some of the responsibilities, some of the how is going to stay with you. Mm -hmm. And some of the other pieces of the how will be with other team members. Yeah, absolutely. So like for me, one of the pieces is from a results perspective is to ensure that I am proactively reviewing, updating and improving client experience processes. One of the pieces that I don't have on my job description that I used to before is actually doing the creation of those processes or the creation of the tools, the end result Mm -hmm. that we would actually deliver to the client. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm overseeing the process and the creation of that and the updating of that, but not the actual going into Google Docs and copying over our, our 
brand standards template and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a lot of the folks who might be listening to this and curriculum is a really good example here because so many of you know, the coaches out there, the consultants, the the experts think that in order to create curriculum, the ideas have to come from them. And so if I'm not coming up with the idea, then the curriculum is going to stay the same as it always has, and it's not going to serve our clients as well. And what we're talking about here is that you can choose to have that responsibility remain with you. And that would be the player part of the player coach relationship. Or you can choose that someone else is going to be responsible for that or several other people are going to be responsible for that. And your job will be to ensure that it meets standards, to ensure that it's synthesized and that it fits in with everything else. Not to say you can't come up with ideas, but that it's not your responsibility to to do do so. so. Yeah, and to do so on a regular basis, right? This lightens the load on you and it also allows, and we've talked about this as well in I think it was season one, this allows for a distribution of the responsibility to more people, bringing in more ideas, more thoughts, more different directions that you could take this, which Mm -hmm. in the end actually increases the value of the curriculum that you create in the first place. Yeah. And what I'm really hearing from this and what I'm really taking from this is that part of what the job description does when you're giving yourself a promotion and you're defining this new role for yourself is it defines what you're doing. But part of it also has to be not just to say this is what I'm not doing, but this is what I'm creating space for others to take the responsibility for. And that's where, you know, when we're writing job descriptions, we don't do it in isolation, right? Jill had her job description updated. Mine was updated. We're doing some hiring. So we did some updates around that. We've got all of these different job descriptions. And when we take something off of someone's job description, it has to go on to someone else's. Someone else gets that responsibility. And that's how over time, as we continue to grow our teams and grow ourselves, we can split apart these roles instead of doing 50 million different things you start by giving half of that to other people and you keep 20 million and then you keep 10 million and eventually you get down to three and it's great yeah and that's where the billion dollar team tool that we talked about in season one comes in really handy because you start by looking at what does it look like at that larger scope and then you condense down and it makes it really easy to break back apart as you continue to scale up. You know, all of this is good and valuable. And I would definitely encourage you if you're listening to this and you haven't done a job description for yourself lately, do actually two versions. Do a version for what your job is now, how you actually spend your time. That's one of the first things that we have our academy clients do is we say, how do you spend your time? And we say, okay, guess what? Here's your job description. And they usually look and are like, ew, I don't like that job. <laughs> yeah, and then- Ew is usually the-, the you were- <laughs> <laughs> but do it for what it is, but then also think about what you want it to be. And that's what we do at the end of Academy, right? It's like, what do you want your job description to be? And that's great. That's a great exercise to do. But just writing it down on paper isn't what makes it happen. And I think actually writing it down on paper might be the easy part of the process compared to mentally giving yourself that promotion and acting in alignment with that new role instead of falling back into old habits. And absolutely, that's something you and I have talked a lot about with our clients and just with each other about how we are evolving as our team grows. Mm -hmm. Just because we wrote it down doesn't mean that we've internalized that promotion. And that's Mm -hmm. the key piece is that you need to be able to internalize it. 
And that's not just about, you know, the work that you do or, or aren't doing in the space that you are or aren't creating. It's about your belief, how you think about it. It's about how you approach it. It's about literally living the promotion. And one of the key pieces that I find for reinforcing that, and it's going to sound really odd, but one of the key pieces I find for really enforcing that is having regular conversations on the calendar to discuss how you are promoting yourself or how you have promoted yourself and how you think about that promotion with someone else. So like what you and I have done, for example, is that we have conversations on our calendar. It's like a one-on-one, right? So once every other week, I have a one-on-one with Jill and it's my opportunity to talk about how I'm doing in my position. It's her job to remind me of my promotion and of, you know, is that really something you should be looking at? Is this something that the team could be doing instead of you? And vice versa, on the alternate weeks, I do the same for Jill and we do that for our clients. Every time we're on a call and we're reviewing how has this been going what have you been working on what's your priority we're also having that conversation of hey but i thought your job was xyz why are you still acting in this way yeah absolutely and it also gives a space for a bit of self-reflection and this is a piece that i find quite often for ourselves both in this promotionary promotionary is that a word it's a word now It is now in the promotionary sense, but also to just from a strategic standpoint is how often or how little we take time to sit back and reflect on how things are going and what things are doing, what we're doing, how things are happening and what we feel and think about it. And well, setting aside the time to do that for a promotion is key in order to embody and to internalize that promotion for yourself. People go out and they make their quarterly plans and then they don't really look at those plans again (laughs) until the end of the quarter. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't do this, that or the other thing. And so in our communications rhythm, which we talked about previously, we have this structure of checking in with different things at different points. And so that you're keeping on top of it and you're keeping in touch with what's going on and all of these things. But by the same token, It's really important when you promote yourself or when you promote a team member or when you hire on a new team member to have that same kind of journey mapped out. We do a a 12-week plan for a quarter. We do a 12-week plan for a new hire or a new job. Mm -hmm. So along with that job description, it's, okay, over the next 12 weeks, how are you going to take ownership over these things? What are you going to focus on? That then creates a really powerful conversation because every week, every couple of weeks, you can go back and look at that job description and say, hey, how am I doing against these success measures? Am I living and operating at this new higher level? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I just want to emphasize here is that the intention isn't to take everything over all at once. No, that is that is setting yourself up for failure or setting a teammate up for failure because you can't take on all the new things all at the same time. Change doesn't work that way. You have to focus Mm -hmm. in on one, maybe two aspects that are basically the top priority that you want to change first and then go from there. Yeah. So for example, with the job description that you just had for yourself, you know, there are some things that are still there from your previous job. And obviously we want you to continue doing that. We want you to continue being an amazing coach and being able to provide that to our clients who have promoted themselves into new roles. But 
alongside of that, there are some things which will be new to you in your role or that you're putting new emphasis, a new lens, a new priority on. And we could say, okay, you have to be like fully in there as a manager right now, but it's not going to serve you well or set you up for success if we automatically go to like, okay, you've been a manager for two days now, you're failing, so clearly you shouldn't have that job. But that's what we do to ourselves so often. And then we go back to the old habits. Yeah, exactly. And we feel like we failed and yeah. it, like it wasn't the right time or we just didn't do well enough or we're not set up to being that way. Mm-hmm. So many people I've heard say, you know, I've tried it, but I'm not management material. We, we had a client just the other day who you know messaged us and in, in a bit of a panic saying, ah, oh, my new team member did this and it wasn't good and they made a mess of this and it wasn't what I wanted. And, and it was a really good learning experience for her because, okay, this is part of the learning of being a manager, which is how do we set expectations? How do we communicate when expectations aren't met? How do you actually learn to be the manager, the mentor, the coach for your team members that you want to be instead of she knew what she didn't want was just to flip out on this person but she didn't know what the alternative and what those other skills were. And so that was an opportunity for her to grow into this leadership and into who she wanted to become. But it's a process. It would be really easy for her to say, yeah, this person made a big mess. Hiring was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I need to just let them go. And I clearly can't be trusted to hire and manage anyone ever again. Yeah, exactly. And yet after having the coaching conversations with the two of us going through, she connected with the team member. They had a conversation about what happened. And at the end of the day, I got we got this message on Slack that the team member had seen the email, replied, everything was great. The team member was grateful for the feedback and she was she the, our client was grateful for how the email that she wrote sounded good and not oh my god everything the sky is falling. That's why this reflection and putting the time on the calendar to remind yourself of what have I defined for myself? How am I trying to be successful? What am I going to be doing in this first 90 days, in this first 12 weeks to actually make this promotion, not just be something that I wrote on paper, but something that I'm living and I'm breathing and I'm, I'm being every day from there on out tying it back in you're promoting yourself that means that someone underneath you is getting promoted up as well right yeah and or is getting a new job or is getting a new job and taking that then everything that you're doing and taking it and reflecting it for them to also Mm -hmm. accomplish yeah Yeah, it's such a juicy topic. I'm Mm -hmm. so excited that we're going to be able to dig into this further with, again, as is the theme of this season, we're going to have another case study with one of our clients who, I mean, has seen incredible growth in the business. Like the revenue numbers are ridiculous. We'll let her tell you all about that. But alongside of that, the team has grown and she has really had to shift her self-perception of her role in order to allow the business to grow. And and there are some really specific stories that I'm super excited for her to share about how that has happened and how that's transpired. Yeah. And and how that has changed things for her, both in her business and in her life at home as well. 
Yeah. But before we get to that, before we end off this episode, I just want to reiterate a little bit of what we talked about because there was so much that goes into this idea of promoting yourself. And at the end of the day, I think there's three things that are really important if you find yourself in the situation where it's like, yeah, I, I need a new job description. I, I need to promote myself so that I don't just fall back into the doing. And the first one is that you do need to define what success looks like. You need to define what are the responsibilities of this new job? What are you going to be stepping into? And alongside of that, what are you going to be stepping away from in order to be able to actually give yourself a promotion? What is your promotion? Yeah. The second thing, Jill, you talked a lot about this was the idea of creating space. Yeah, exactly. And not just creating space for yourself, but creating space for others to succeed underneath you, giving them that opportunity to flourish in the things that you no longer need to do, while also giving yourself the opportunity to actually take on those new things and expand and change your priorities differently. And then the third thing, of course, is priorities, which you just said, and that is you have to prioritize this new way of thinking. You have to remind yourself that you're not the doer. You have to remind yourself that you have been promoted and you need to be checking in with yourself to make sure that you are actively doing that for yourself. Yeah, and not just actively, again, not just actively doing it for yourself, but encouraging and giving space for your team members to be doing it as well. Yeah, because let's be honest, we all need coaching and we all need support. And this is what Jill is so good at with our clients. It's what I spend a lot of time on is, you know, supporting our clients and supporting each other as we and they move into new jobs and new responsibilities and new roles for themselves. Thank you all for joining us on our episode today. And we'll see you all on the next episode of the Visionary CEO podcast. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag visionaryceopodcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.